There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big, big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you for another week with another fantastic guest. We've got Matthew Menos, who's joining me today uh, from West Coast, USA, I believe. Uh, so um, we're going to talk today about vision, about planning and philanthropy, because Matthew has a very, very, I quite I think, quite unique way of operating, which uh, is really contributes, I believe, to a better world. I'm sure he's, some of his clients think that too. Um, before I um, introduce you to Matthew, I'd like to uh, say, you know, wherever you are, I hope um, hope you are well. I hope you're safe. Um, I hope you are you know, protecting yourself from uh, the economics that are, are challenging the world right now. And I hope that in each day that what you do is that you focus in on each day and do your very best each day, be the best that you can be each day, while also um, operating with confidence and not worrying too much about tomorrow if you can help it. But I think if every day we make count, uh, then we we move towards a better a better future. Um, the show is, is about elevating your thinking. It's about elevating your business. It's about contributing to a better world through our work uh, and through our responsibilities. And um, we're I think today is our 483rd unique show, so we're getting close to 500 now, um, which uh, will be very exciting, I think. Um, I just want to say thank you to my guest last week. We had Tom Eddington on the show. Tom, I've interviewed before, and why I wanted to interview Tom again was that he really has taken that theme from what was conscious leadership when we spoke uh, a couple of years ago uh, through to um, his passion for really making a contribution when it comes to regeneration He's been creating um, films on on areas like uh, uh, like uh, mental health for young people. Um, he's also uh, around uh, how you know humankind doesn't want conflict. How actually we we all operate. We really want peace. We just need to be led better. I think. Um, so uh, have a look at some Tom Eddington's work. There was a great interview. I think Tom's fascinating, and I think he's a deep thinker. And if you go back to the first interview I did with Tom, he has the most incredible. A uh, heart-wrenching personal story, uh, and it was one moment I remember from all the shows I've done today that really made me uh, connect, realize how fortunate I am, uh, and uh, yeah, go back and have a listen in the archive to Tom Eddington. Uh, I'd also like to thank Karen Wilson-Starks, who's a, a great friend of mine. She has her own podcast and show. She's a leadership expert operating out of Colorado, um, but she's she's fantastic. And we've become good friends over the years, and she recommended uh, Matthew today. So how do you best create a vision and a plan for your business future? Uh, how do you also consider philanthropy in that process. Um, I'm not saying it very well today. Um, philanthropy. Um, my guest, uh, Matthew Menos, is the founder of Very Nice. And I think he is very nice when you hear a little bit more about his business because he's a, a design strategy practice he has. And what it does, besides working for incredible um, clients like Apple and Google and NASA and UNICEF, uh, the American Heart Association, 
is that uh, their business give half of their work away for free to non-profit organizations. Yes, you heard that, half of their work away for free. Uh, now, um, Matthew also currently serves as the chair of Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti's Creative Advisory Board. Uh, that Forbes described him as either crazy or a genius. I love people on the show who are either crazy or a genius, you know, because I think often uh, they're the latter. And he was named one of seven millennials changing the world by the Huffington Post. So let's have a, a conversation today about, you know, Matthew's way of doing business, but also how we, he helps his clients to create incredible, engaging visions of the future, plan, and also let's talk a little bit about philanthropy and how he does it well today. So a big welcome to Matthew Menos. How are you? Thanks so much, Chris. I'm doing good. And uh, you make me want to try to say philanthropy three times, but I'm not going to do that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever got that wrong before. For some reason today, I just can't say it. <laughs> um, Matthew, tell us a little bit about you, know, about you, you know, where you are in the world, what life was like growing up for you, what inspired you to do the kind of work today? Yeah, so I'm in Los Angeles, California. Uh, so I uh, have been here for quite a while. I moved down here for college, but I grew up in the Bay Area uh, in the Silicon Valley. And when I was a kid growing up, I was skateboarding competitively, actually. And I think that that's an important note because skateboarding as a culture really defined my me and my identity, especially a tendency towards disruption and thinking about things differently seeing opportunities in strange places. You know, all of those to me are components of a skateboarder mentality. But more so importantly, I actually met the founder of a nonprofit for the first time at a skate park. Uh, and that was when I was 16 years old. Uh, around that time, I was in school. Luckily, my high school had a digital art class, they called it, where we were learning, you know, sort of the earlier uh, versions of Photoshop and all of that. And I was really interested in it. You know, I, I grew up loving fine art, wanted to be an artist, was scared about the career prospects of that, heard about design, started dabbling via that class. When I met the founder of that nonprofit, I actually offered to design some stickers for him and uh, basically came home, told my dad about it. My dad's a lawyer. He said, hey, that's called pro bono. Uh, mm -hmm. And that sort of really got my whole trajectory started. But yeah, you know, life was good growing up. I was always in sort of creative environments, um, you know, was uh, very motivated to do this work just by being inspired uh, by that person, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How the meeting, a chance meeting sometimes with one person, it's almost though, you know, there it's intended as a guide that can help set your future, set your path. Yeah, and it's and it's inspiring to know that those people are out there for all of us, right? And it's about finding them. Uh, so I think that there's something there's something special, and it's it's also about acting upon that moment of inspiration. You know, I'm very grateful that I said, "Hey, can I design some stickers for you?" Even though I was a terrible designer, <laughs> I had been designing for a week or two, right? And and I, you know, had sort of the the courage, or maybe there's another word for it, uh, you know, to to offer that. Yeah, just uh, just just being, no, being noticing, isn't it? When when you're out there and you're meeting people, because uh, sometimes you could miss those opportunities. 
I imagine. It's true. Just, it's just true. you've got to look at and notice them. It's almost as though those guides are intended or sort of slightly planted in our way. <laughs> I wonder yeah. how many people feel sort of down on the look and feel, uh, you know, um, frustrated. And actually they've had the opportunity of a number of people who potentially come into their life, but they haven't noticed them. Yeah. 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 Noticing is, is the key. And I'm sure that there's been many instances where I've had challenges where that person has been there and I didn't notice them, you know, and I think that there's, there's a real trick to, or a real special, you know, thing that we can cultivate in ourselves to listen more, to be more aware of the value of those around us and to be more appreciative, I think in general. Yeah. And what, what have you learned? You, so you, you're living in Los Angeles. Um, you explained to me you have two two year old twin children. Uh, so yeah. I imagine life's quite quite busy for you. Uh, what has the last two or three years taught you that has maybe changed you? Gosh, you know so so much. Honestly, um, you know, not only did we have uh, the pandemic, which I think was an existential moment for everyone and continues to be. Honestly, you know, around what do you want to do with your life? Um, you know, do you feel safe where you are? You know, all of these big questions. Uh, in addition to that, I also had the other existential moment of becoming a father for the first time, right. which everyone says your priorities change. You know, they all, they all say that. And I think that that's very true. And in some ways, you know, my, my life has changed drastically during the pandemic. Um, you know, we lived in downtown Los Angeles, so in a fairly populated building. Um, I didn't actually see the outdoors for a hundred days, um, and so it was a it was a really challenging time. You know, in terms of mental health, in terms of being sort of motivated to even do anything. Uh, but you know, knowing that these kids were coming was a powerful anchor. Actually, uh, that was kind of a a beacon of hope. And now we live in the suburbs, so it's it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a lot of people did that, moved out for a garden and some space, didn't they? Same That's true. Here, here yeah. in Europe as well. It's uh, been a big, a big shift, big, big, yeah. big shift. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about your work and 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 uh, and very nice and you know who you help. Yeah, absolutely. So, so very nice is a design strategy practice. And I know that that's kind of buzzwordy. The way that I like to describe what design strategy is, is it's the art of figuring out what on earth should we design in mm. the first place. Mm. Uh, and so this can look like, uh, you know, talking to users, doing workshops with businesses to understand their values, their interests, their motivations. And really trying to build a bridge between both sides of that coin, between the people, between the business, yeah. and determine what are the needs here? You know, how can we best help? Or how can we best, you know, uh, create something of value? And because of that, you know, the what of my work is pretty diverse, actually, because it's much more about the process of figuring that out. That answer could be, we need a website, we need an app, we need to rethink our brand. You know, we need a new business model. It could be any of these things. Um, I will say, though, that over the last couple of years, I think one thing that many people have realized is that we do need to create vision and think about alternative futures that are out there. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody saw 
the extreme shifts in the world that we saw coming. Uh, and so I, I will say that I do think that triggered much more of an increase in clients asking us for work around strategic planning, um, foresight, you know, thinking about vision, all of that work uh, certainly, I would say, dominates, you know, what we're offering these days, yeah. largely for nonprofits, but we do work with a, a good mix of people. Yeah, yes. And, and I, I guess in this very tumultuous world at the moment, uh, vision can be a hard thing to get your head around. And there's a lot, lot of variables, isn't there? Yeah, it can, it can. And I think one of the things that I always uh, think about is the ability to even imagine the future is such a privileged thing to be able to do. Mm. And so when an organization is a small grassroots nonprofit, they're thinking about next week. They're not thinking about next year. Uh, when when we're working with some of our larger organizations, they've got next week and the week after and the week after and the week after all figured out. Yeah. They're thinking about 10 years from now or in one case that I'm working on right now, 100 years from now. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, sort of sliding scale of perception of time and and so on. But for me, even for those small organizations, I like to take them far into the future, if only for 10 minutes, so that they can answer the question, what is the value that we're ultimately trying to provide? What kind of world are we ultimately trying to create? Yeah. Now, they don't need to have this super detailed plan to get there, but that becomes this North Star that inherently motivates you know, everything that they do on a day-to-day -day yes. basis. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's uh, it's really important that isn't isn't it to for for clients to to have that uh, vision. I, I know I'm, I'm work with uh, a number of clients, and I've been talking about this only in the last couple of weeks with uh, with a client about just really getting clear about where the future is and helping to the articulate it in such a way that the staff can really really understand it. Uh, and really, really, really see it and envisage it too, and get excited too. Um, yeah. But but almost the uh, people I sometimes find want to get straight into the doing, mm -hmm. you know. And that's that's and and having them spend the time to envisage that, yeah, can be yeah. quite challenging. It's true. A lot of the way that I've thought about this, and I, I had put out a book a few years ago called "Toward a Preemptive Social Enterprise." Really long name, but the. <laughs> The basic gist of this was that nonprofits or organizations that are trying to solve big, you know, social problems, they're rewarded for being reactionary. You know, um, mm -hmm. a, a flood comes, they do something about it. Uh, there's this sort of issue, they do something about it. Whereas typically those big fancy tech companies are rewarded for being very preemptive. And what I sort of put forth and what I try to advocate to our clients, especially in the social sector, is how can you be preemptive too? You know, how can you carve space for that so that we can think about the immediacy of what's needed, but also what's coming around that corner? Yeah. Well, well just before we go to commercial, we'll come back after after the break and talk about that more. But I'm kind of intrigued, you know, why, why did Forbes... Uh, suggest that you're either crazy or a genius. What's um, what was it all about, and which one are you? 
So I, I am definitely, I'm definitely a little bit of both. I think I'm more so the former. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> but uh, but it, it definitely was, you know, very nice as commitment of giving half of our work away for free. Um, absolutely sounds like an idea that is impractical. Um, but here we are almost 15 years later, still doing it and having supported uh, hundreds of organizations having donated millions of dollars worth of services. Wow. And so, you know, maybe that is the the latter part of that description. <laughs> and, and do do your your clients who pay you the income to to operate and and be rewarded for what you do, do they do they are they some of those prepared to contribute more to enable you to offer this philanthropic service? For well, you know, I, so how does that work? Yeah, I think that that's, it's a really good question. The model that we built out is we actually built a community of volunteers that team up with us to support our work. And actually in doing that, to me, this was really the secret sauce. In doing that, we could increase our bandwidth without increasing too much of our costs. And that actually allowed us to give half of our work away for free. Um, Because the simple math, is if you want to give half of your work away for free and do just as well as a similar company, you have to do twice the amount of work that they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was trying to get my head around it. I thought, crikey, they're, they're either earning in, enormous, enormous fees or they're, um, they've, they've got some very smart solution to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, I'm gonna get, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after, after the break, we'll come back and we'll really start to get into this this. Ask about a vision. How do you envisage that that compelling future, and so that you can come some more step inside and feel it, and then move towards it? And then we'll talk a bit about planning as well and what what all that's about. So, do you join us after the break? We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One to one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Matthew Mernos, and he's very nice. It's Matthew, and that's the name of his company, so I think that fits beautifully. Uh, so, Matthew... Uh, tell us a little bit about about vision and how do you best advise your clients to gain a clear picture of the future? Yeah, you know, I think the the thing that I've learned that is always such an anchor for me when thinking about the future is to remember that the future doesn't exist. And before anybody has an existential breakdown uh, with that, you know what I'm what I mean is we can only be in the present, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so as a result, the future, the way that I see it is it's a symbol for the repercussions of what we choose to do right now. And so whenever I talk about setting vision or thinking about the future, I'm always actually talking about today. Uh, and and, uh, and that, that might seem kind of abstract, but I think that that's a good sort of grounding you know, mindset to have as well. And as a result, really where we start is by scanning for what we call signals of change. What are different trends, for example, that are out there that are impacting the space that we are in, or maybe a space peripheral to what we're in? What are the more emerging issues, you know, things that aren't in everyone's driveway yet, uh, and and uh, maybe have very few examples around mm-hmm. the world, again, that are directly or sort of peripherally related to us. And then what might our world look like if those things continue to grow, if they collapse, if they transform and morph into something else, uh, if they stay stagnant and nothing changes, what would that mean for us? So, you know, really that's, that's the starting point for me in in any project like this. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. That is. So you start, you start with now, and and you look at those trends, those emerging issues, and then you you work through them. And do you have to take a calculated guess as to whether they're going to kind of accelerate away, or whether they're just going to disappear into into thin air, and and then start to? Yeah. So you know what I what I like about it is in and I think the word guess is is a good one to kind of zoom in on for a second because one sort of tenant of this kind of work is to actually not try to predict the future. And, and the reason that you shouldn't do that is a lot of the times the prediction is this kind of single view where yeah. it is, this is what's going to happen. And then therefore the organization, you know, puts all of its eggs in one basket, so to speak, yes. versus what we try to do. And, and I think what's what this field is 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 working toward is how can we actually envision several different futures? Uh, you know, so th- this might be a future we're heading toward. This might be, this might be, this might be, you know, the more the merrier. Yeah. And it, the goal for that being you are going to be better prepared if you've expanded, you know, your mind to imagine various, uh, you know, options. Uh, there was a, a friend of mine that he had said, and I, I thought this is spot on, you know, he'd rather be 
completely shocked by a simulation or a story than a reality. Yeah. Uh, And, and so really, you know, for me, a lot of the fun aspects of my work is trying to get organizations to actually think kind of in peculiar ways, you know, in, in very strange futures. Um, Sometimes I'll ask an organization, Hey, what do you think will put you out of business? You know, what is, what's the end of, of what you're working on? And okay, if we can imagine that, what is the beginning now of something that we can do that can mitigate that from happening, right? So um, so I think those are good questions to be asking. Those are great questions. So, so, so really, this is the power of questions. Uh, you're asking a lot of, a lot of, a lot of questions to, to tease out what's really important and stretch people cerebrally uh, to uh, to consider those different options. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you know, a lot of it is also exploring the past, especially if we're working with a very established organization. You know, right now we're helping the American Heart Association on some vision work. They've just hit their, they're going to hit their hundredth anniversary soon. And so that, you know, of course brings up questions of what's the next century look yeah. like. And so, you know, that process has so far included, you know, actually speaking to about 60 people um, in these interviews across the organization and as well as, you know, sort of key stakeholders that they serve and trying to ask them these questions of purpose and of, of pathways forward and so on. So you're right. It is all about asking the right questions. So how, how can you envisage a hundred years? I mean, how, 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 how is, is there a, you know, people are typically with with companies might be doing three, you know, three year, five year plan. Yeah, possibly a vision for ten, maybe. Uh, <laughs> how do you do a hundred? And is it is it really feasible? So so it's funny. It it, it is the largest uh, scope that I've ever had to handle. <laughs> and when when I heard about that, I thought this is so unreasonable. I can't wait to try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I think the reality is uh, within these next hundred years, whatever, you know, vision statement we come up with, I'm sure that statement will change. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they will go through more processes like this between now and the time that I'm that I've been deceased for a few decades. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I know that that and this is really the goal that next statement will be informed by this statement, right? And that will inform the one after that one, after that one, after that one. So that's kind of what I'm thinking is how can we paint a picture of that view from today and it's contextualized from today, but know that it's something that needs consistent, you know, thinking and and work as, as the world continues to change and shift as well. Yeah. 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 So so, so there's a question next. Have you got any, any sort of technique or anything that you would uh, recommend if a, if a client is? I mean, it was very helpful. That's actually about uh, the kind yeah. of looking at the triggers and issues. Do you have a little little technique that you would advise people to to look at? Yeah, on their own. Absolutely. So I, you know, I, I would throw out two more questions. Just speaking of good questions, right yeah, for this yeah. process that I think any organization can use. The the first one is getting a little bit more out of 
you know, what is sort of our core value proposition, but it's asking it in a unique way where you say, hey, if if our organization never existed, if we had never been founded, if we had never been invented, you know, whatever it is, what would the world have missed out on today? Yes. And and being able to answer that question again gets you to thinking about the legacy, the history, the impact, the value proposition. You know, it brings up all those great questions uh, as well. And then the second question I would ask is if we cease operations today, so yeah. we've existed all this time, but we stop today, what would the world miss out on in 10 years? Yeah. And and that's a another sort of bridge between vision and value proposition and purpose, you know, what's motivating you, all of that. So that technique to me is really helpful, actually, is trying to think through both of those. Um, and I and I will say there there's never a right answer, you know, and I think that that's why you want to engage as many people in your community as possible and see, you know, what what are the patterns of what people are saying? And, and I think you learn a lot from that. Yeah. Wonderful questions. It is about questions. Questions, questions uh, at the start of everything, really, aren't they? To uh, and creativity and I mean, do you ever have people when when they were doing this kind of work? You know, lying in a dark room or uh, <laughs> meditating, or do you have any? Yeah, yeah. I love you know. I I actually have um, a a collection of prompts that I that I wrote with my friend Austin Bauer and he's a leadership uh, coach and strategist and they're called peculiar prompts so anybody listening you you've got to look these up we've got thousands of prompts that are peculiar uh and I love throwing these at people in a room to get them thinking differently to get them out of their comfort zone and so on so you know that that might literally be something like everyone in the room without talking kind of form yourselves in the room in the shape of a squirrel. Right. <laughs> right? And it's like, wait, why are we doing this? No, it doesn't really actually matter if you did the squirrel thing. Right. It's just now anything that was top of mind is not because now you're taking this seriously and you're actually trying to form an image of a squirrel with your yeah. bodies. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great energizer that one is not not come across that before i've been doing uh yeah <laughs> doing sort of ses sessions for many many years but i've never come across that one that's a great idea <laughs> i think i'll be trying that i'll let you know i'll get on when i eventually do yeah it. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about planning then what's um what is what is your perspective on what is planning yeah you know, what is it really uh yeah. firstly and yeah. So, so to me, you know, with planning, I think it all starts with this vision work. You know, I love to think about what is that ultimate big end goal, you know, big sort of North star that we're working, that we're working towards and then do, you know, what's called backcasting where you're saying, okay, if that's, if that's our forecast, how, what's our, what's our trajectory there? Yeah. Um, now the, the way that we do it, you know, and I, I, I don't think this is dissimilar to traditional planning is I tend to think of it in terms of milestones and activities. Yeah. Milestones being, you know, what are those big goals, those big kind of moments? You could think of them as newspaper headlines. You know, that that's helpful sometimes. Yeah. Activities being what are the specific tactics we need to do to achieve that goal? And then 
throw it on a timeline, you know? So it, it pretty, to me, it's a pretty standard, you know, approach that I think is tried and true and works. But what I love to do is think about that far end first, as opposed to the front end first. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a different way of, of doing it. Um, I also think that to me, planning is a collaborative exercise. And I try as much as I can to get that out of the sort of executive room and actually involve people from throughout an organization in imagining those pathways and those futures as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes, uh, makes, makes enormous sense. Uh, and so they will say, don't they, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Um, uh, um, I mean, do you, uh, 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 when you, when you're doing a, you know, a strategic planning session, is it usually with a, you know, with a board of a company or a leadership team or? Um... Yeah, it's a, it's a mix, you know, we've done, so over the pandemic, we've done a lot of these over Zoom. A lot of times these are, you know, larger sort of workshops that take place in person as well. And I would say the traditional instinct of a client, we actually had this happen um, earlier this year, is to let's do this with the board of directors, especially if it's a nonprofit organization. And we don't always win on this, but we do always advocate, hey, can we can we get a few more seats in that room as well? Yeah. And you know, a lot of that is because the board is visionary and they're, you know, they're wonderful talent and they have the pulse of the organization at the highest level, but they're at the highest level. They're not seeing that encounter with that patient on the phone call or the uh, reaction to that social media post that was made, you know, or anything like that. And that's really valuable. Um, the other thing, you know, that we try to advocate for, which can be surprising for many organizations is inviting people who are really new to the organization to be part of the process. Yeah. I think that typically, you know, again, kind of the standard invite list is the people, and this sounds so obvious, that are really experienced with the organization and what it does and what it's tried and what it's failed at. And we love advocating to invite the new person because they're, they're just that. They're naive. You know, they're not afraid to bring up things that maybe have been tried before, but actually in a slightly different way than how they're imagining it. Uh, and I think that that's a, you know, a powerful part of what I would refer to as kind of a more inclusive uh, strategic planning process. I, I completely agree. I, I completely, that's the reason I asked the question actually, because so often, you know, the strategy is seen as being the the domain of the directors, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Often they're just not close enough to the ground to really, really truly get get what's going on. And, and you're right. Introducing, people from different parts of the organization young young people young talent uh, and also other other kind of experienced or managers who are enthusiastic and they're going to feel so much a part of the company if they're in you know if they have the feel feel that sense of almost honor that they are contributing to the strategy and not having it done to them yeah and i think and i think that, that them is... rather than to them yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, it, it, it would even go beyond feeling it just is right. Like they, they would be involved in that. And, 
I think one of the biggest challenges that executives have if they're setting some big new vision is socializing it and getting people on board with it. And there's there's skeptics, et cetera. If all those people were part of setting that vision, that problem goes away. Um, You know, it's something that was created by the community. It's something that is owned by the community, you know, that they can reflect upon and compare to their own, you know, day-to-day work. This is how I contribute to this, right? And that's, I think, a really powerful leadership technique, uh, if not just a good strategic planning technique. Yeah. Have you, have you, uh, have you ever had, um, you know, any, a memorable situation where you were surprised by the vision that, you know, came out, you wouldn't, you know, what, what came out wasn't what you expected. That, that happens all the time, luckily. Um, (laughs) you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm always surprised by the work and I think it's because we are really instill this call to being open-minded to to our clients. And so I'm I'm constantly learning something new. I mean, I think that's why I love doing this work and why I continue to do this work, to be to be completely honest. Fantastic. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. And, and after the break, I want to find out a bit more about your perspective on philanthropy and business. Um, I'd uh, love to see if you've got some things like some book recommendations and uh we'll you know we'll see where else we go but we'll be back again with everybody in just a couple of minutes do join us after the break from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. 
Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris, Chris Cooper. Uh, I'm with uh, Matthew uh, Menos, and we've been talking about vision. We've been talking about uh, about um, planning. And just in, interested, we we were just chatting in the break. Uh, you you do a lot of work with social entrepreneurs, and what, what is your what are your perceptions on where this whole area of social entrepreneurship is? And you might just want to define it for some people as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, well, first with social entrepreneurship, there's a lot of definitions out there. I'll say what, you know, kind of the general one is and then how I view it, which uh, when you learn a little bit more about my work, you'll see why I define it that way. But the the general idea is that a social entrepreneur, this can be a for-profit or a non-profit, but typically it's referred to in the sort of for-profit, the private sector, where a business is prioritizing the measuring and sort of the activities around creating some kind of social impact. You know, I think the most famous example that's frequently used is is a company like Tom's Shoes, where they donate a pair of shoes for every pair of shoes that you buy. Um, There's a lot of types of social entrepreneurship, though. It can be philanthropic in in terms of goods, services, money. Uh, It can also be based on employment practices uh, you know, it can be based around environmental factors, a lot of lot of different things. With a nonprofit organization, social enterprise is actually about them productizing and actually acting a little bit more like a business might and not just relying upon uh, traditional modes of income like donation or grants, for example. Mm. Um, but for me, you know, so very nice is a design strategy practice that gives half of its work away for free to nonprofits, social enterprise is really important to me because we were one of the first to introduce that model to the design industry, actually, the design services industry. And so I, I've been kind of an advocate for this for quite some time now. Um, but in terms of where it's going, you know, I, I think what's kind of funny is it, it has gone from novel to duh. <laughs> um, it's almost like, can, I, it's it's actually hard to imagine, and I work with stu- young students that are entrepreneurs every day. Uh, it's hard to imagine somebody starting a business now that isn't considering some kind of social impact. Uh, and it feels like, of course, you know, so in some way, part of me thinks is social entrepreneurship just entrepreneurship now, um, you know, I think is one interesting thing to think about. The other thing I think about, uh, and I've thought of this uh, as an idea that I've, I've called offset entrepreneurship, where the concept here is to actually recognize the kind of challenging question, which is what are the issues that actually our own business or our industry have created in the first place? Yeah. Right? A yeah. lot, a lot of businesses are creating problems. And then they are solving other problems that have nothing to do with the problems they're creating. Right. Yes. Yes. And so, and so, you know, one really great example of this is a company called not pot and they are a CBD gummy uh, brand. Yeah. Now the interesting thing about the cannabis industry in general is there's these people that are building businesses profiting while people still sit in jail cells for doing Basically, exactly what they're doing, right? Yes, 
Yes. Uh, and, and so what NotPot does is they actually recognize that. And for every purchase, they are contributing to bail bonds for people that are incarcerated for possession or, or selling of, of cannabis. Yeah. And um, to me, that's a great example of, again, this kind of idea that I have called offset entrepreneurship, where we're trying to offset the issues that we ourselves create or that our businesses create, instead of focusing on much more sort of external causes um, that, you know, are inspiring, but kind of frankly, like often have nothing to do with what that business does um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That makes, I've not heard that offset entrepreneurship makes a lot of sense to have a look. It's, It's, it brings it closer to home and more real, doesn't it really? It does. It does. And that, that lens has really helped me, you know, in thinking like a question that I might get is, well, why do you give half of your work away for free? Right. Mm. And the, the answer to that is I had learned that every year in the United States alone, organizations are spending, you know, billions of dollars on people like me. And I had this thought, well, what could they do if they had a spare, you know, $8 billion, I think, I think is the stat, what kind of impact could be made? And so in a way, by giving our work away for free, we are offsetting this issue uh, that I think is an issue of service provider fees to nonprofits in a hope to displace that and actually um, allow them to reallocate some of those funds to other things that ideally are more about impacting the people that they're trying to impact as opposed to getting people like me wealthier. (laughs) Yeah. So what's, what's your purpose then? My, so my, you know, it's funny, my purpose in the business in kind of in the view of very nice is to save nonprofits money. Uh, and, and, and you might not think that at first, right? Cause we're, we're talking about all these things like setting vision, creating plans. Mm. And you'd think that to me, the, the sort of core purpose would be set these organizations up for a better future or yeah. you know, impact the world or whatever that is. But to me, it's always been about how much money can I save these organizations? And that's to me, the value that I can provide first and foremost, um, I will say that, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about how much the pandemic kind of changes our lives. And then I had twins during the pandemic. And I do think I'm probably in the process of trying to figure out a secondary purpose right now, if I'm being honest, you know, what, what is that? You know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I think something's brewing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, You could maybe, (laughs) yeah, maybe extend that out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I think and that's why when you asked me that, I said, well, in the context of very nice, three years ago, I never would have started my answer to what's your purpose like that. Because I saw very nice as me, this, this is me. And I think the big shift that I've had is it's not like it's its own thing. And Mm. so when I'm in there, this is who I am. But I'm also somebody outside of that. And, you know, frankly, I, I started the company when I was 19 years old. And so I grew up in this business and as a result, and maybe this is a cautionary tale to any of the young entrepreneurs out there, I think it slowed down my ability to know who I am actually, mm. because I was so in the business that it was, it was my entire identity 
And that's why I think I'm now in my mid thirties thinking about what is, what is my purpose actually still having those questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they say, they say it's one of the most significant days, the days of your life, you know, the, the day you were born and the day you discover your purpose. And, uh, yeah, and for me, when I discovered mine at 28, it set me on a, you know, a new trajectory really. Um, mm-hmm. It really has been rocket fuel um, and uh, it's important to discover it. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely thing to help people do. Um, so do you have, um, uh, in, in all the times that you've been working over the last uh since you were 19 really have you come across you you had your guide that really who really helped you um have you and i see you've got a lot of books on the shelves behind you as well have you got um you know have you got one or two must read books that have have changed you know changed your trajectory or changed your business or changed you so uh so i'm gonna give i'm gonna give two answers to this um the first answer is uh, uh is two books one was given to me by my dad once he heard about my initial idea. And this was, you know, again, back back when I was in college. Originally, I thought I want to start a nonprofit design firm, like I want it to be actually a nonprofit itself. And so he sent me a book called Nonprofits for Dummies. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and I read through that. And then I thought, Oh, my gosh, I don't know if I want to be a nonprofit. There's a lot of restrictions to this. And things you have to do, you have to get a board, you know, all of these things. And then I found a second book called Social Business uh, by Muhammad Yunus. And yes. he was the founder of the Grameen Bank. Yeah. Uh, and really kind of pioneer of microfinance, which, you know, things like Kiva are very much ba- based upon. And I read that and I thought, oh, interesting, you know, a business can also do impact work. Um and, you know, this is like pre Tom's shoes. It's, it's pre anybody talking about this. He was really revolutionary. Uh, so that was very inspiring. Um, my second answer, and actually the thing that I will say about all of the books behind me, and those of you listening, you can't see that there's probably 500 books on this shelf. They are all comic books. Are they? They're all comic <laughs> books. <laughs> and, and I want to say that because comics are a big part of my life, um, but they've made me a better designer and leader. Mm. And the reason I'll say that is because so much of this work is about storytelling and comics are incredible in terms of a sequential art form that shows you how do I pace things? How do I reveal things? You know, how do I throw people into a world? And I learned so much from them that I apply to things like my talks, the pace of my slides, you know, all, all of these things. So I wanted to give that as my second answer because it's I think everybody assumes there's a bunch of business books back yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the case. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. So you do. Are you one of these people who attends Comic-Con and things like that? Are you into that? Yeah, I am. Well? Yeah. <laughs> I am. I don't dress up though. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at that level. <laughs> I, I did, I did stumble upon one. So I went to uh, a big concert venue in, I think I was going to see a concert in the evening, but we turned up a bit early and there was a Comic-Con in, in a different space and it was, whoa, it was mind blowing. There were people dressed up as princesses and trolls and, <laughs> uh, and, and knights and, uh, 
dragons and all sorts of things. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, I thought it's, I'd that's, so yeah. that's so fun. That's <laughs> so fun. So just wondered if we've got a, just a couple of minutes left now. Do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, you know, I think I think something that that I've learned, and we, we've we've been getting at this, you know, a little bit in terms of this question of purpose and so on. You know, one, I think I, I might be an interesting an example where, uh, and, and this to me, this is a fact for everyone, the question of what is your purpose, your answer evolves over time as well. And it, and it and in, some, in a lot of cases, it morphs, it scales, you know, et cetera. To me, there's always been through lines in my work, but I've always been very open to change and to switching things up. Um, so, you know, to me, that's something I think really consider that if you're if you're kind of feeling that if you're in that position i think also you know similarly something that i always tell my students especially those that are um going kind of an entrepreneurial route i, I teach at the university of southern california in the iavine and young academy uh very entrepreneurial program and i tell the students you know just as your business or your product or, or what, you know, your nonprofit, whatever it is they want to found is up to you to decide what it is, what it looks like, what it does. So is the success of that thing. And I think that this is a really important message because very often you can get so drunk by the success of others or what you see in the media or on TV and you say, I need to do these things. I need to check these boxes to be able to, you know, get there. Um, but that view of success might be different than yours. And I would say, you know, success is up to you to define. And it looks, it does look different for everyone. Um, so taking the time to think about that in conjunction with these bigger questions around vision that we've been having around planning, you know, around purpose. A lot of those are tied to success. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I would leave folks with. Fantastic. Hey, it's been brilliant talking to you today. Really enjoyed it. Taken lots out of it. Um, I know when interviews are good because I made quite a few notes um, <laughs> uh, um, as well. Um, loved the, the nuance of, uh, of of how you work on vision. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're clearly a very nice guy and with a, a you know, very nice company uh, and making a really positive contribution to the world. So if you want to find out more about uh, about Matthew's work, go to www.verynice.co uh, to check that out. On next week's show, we have Kate Day. Uh, I think Kate and I are talking about, um, we'll be talking about hybrid working and all sorts of things. Kate's worked all over the globe. Uh, she's a very interesting lady. Join us again next week for that. And once again, Matthew, been an absolute pleasure and if anyone's got any questions comments do send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk i always love to hear from you take care we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.